Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult. Did you forget the name of our pod? We just keep doing admin when we talk about how we're Forever YA Pod. And it's like, we are Forever Young Adult Podcast, but we have to shorten it down so much to be cool and hip with the team that I, I messed up for a moment. <laughs> but we're fine. Hi, I'm Aoife. Hi, I'm Kira. And this week, I'm going to be talking to you about a book that I just read called The Quiet at the End of the World by Lauren James. And it was a delight. Why did you choose to read this book, Kira? Uh, I chose to read this book because I found it in the new book pile when I was doing new books at my job. Kira's a librarian. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was doing new books at work and I was real intrigued by the cover. And I was like, ooh, it looks real good because it's two people standing underneath like this ivy kind of thing that looks like lungs. And I was like, ooh, intrigue. And then it turned out to be like a dystopian romance where they're the only two people left on earth. And I was like, I gotta read this book. Are you just telling me that you judged a book by its cover? Yes, I am a human person. Oh my God. Uh, Can I have a look at that cover actually? Yeah, to describe it for the audience, I would say it is a symmetrical design, which like Kira said, looks like kind of crawling branches, but there's no tree trunk. It just almost looks like butterfly wings or lungs with fractally type tendrils just coming out from a central point. And there is what looks like cogs and stars caught up in the would-be branches with our, what I presume to be our two protagonists, very artfully silhouetted in blue. Yeah, looks like looks like a dystopia. Tell me about the YA of the future. Is this a new segment we do where we describe the cover of the book? No, it was creepy. <laughs> no, because you just said like Ivy and I was like, I can do a better job than that. <laughs> I will post a picture of the book, listeners. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see what book we're doing unless you give us money. We've sold out. So um, Lauren James is the author of this book, and I think it's her fourth. Those um, are both first names. They are both first names, but it's her surname. It's, it's her. It's her. It's her entire name. <laughs> you can cut that. I wish we were talking about the name James. We were. So this is Lauren James's fourth book, I believe. She has a book that we're almost definitely going to do called "The Next Together," mm-hmm. which uh, is about two people who are soulmates for lack of a better word i haven't actually read it so i'm not entirely sure but it's about two people who are soulmates and they keep being reincarnated and being separated and being reincarnated and every time they do so their actions change the world in some way um and they are trying to find a way out of this loop so they can just like live together (laughs) That sounds like a book I would 100% read. I absolutely love the conceit of soulmates in fiction. Even like, it's so like ancient Greek. It's so epic with a capital E. I feel like if you've got soulmates in your fiction, it's like courtly love. It's like Shakespeare. It's very heightened and artistic, but it's the good shit. Bookmarking that one. And she also has a book... Um, called The Loneliest Girl in the Universe, which is about a girl who has been sent to space on like a long-term mission and there was a load of crewmates and now she's the only person and she starts emailing someone. It's a space thriller book. 
romance. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it sounds like Lauren James likes the experimental stuff. Kind of sci-fi. And there, a lot of sci-fi in her work. And she also um, writes a lot of STEM and science-y stuff. The Loneliest Girl in the Universe was inspired by a maths algorithm. As far as I'm aware. Do you know enough about maths to comment on what that algorithm is like and how it's brought into the narrative? Or I haven't read the That's book. That's not the book we're reading. That's not yeah. the book we're reading. Okay, tell um, me about the book we're reading then. So the book we're reading is The Quiet at the End of the World, mm-hmm. as I said, and it's about two people who are... Okay, back up. We are living in the dystopian future in mm-hmm. this book. It's true, also in real life. <laughs> also in real life. Um, and... At the time that the book is set, about a hundred years previously, uh, there was a virus that caused all of the humans to become infertile. A hundred years ago? Roughly, yes. Oh god, that's not great because that's kind of the average human life expectancy. It's above it. Yeah, so the humans that exist in in this book are quite elderly. A lot of them are quite old and they are all the product of like... Artificial. The last fertile. So all the humans that exist are the result of the last fertile generation. The la- not the last fertile generation, but like the eggs that they had frozen. Okay. So none of them are naturally biological. Are you just trying to imply that they were not conceived in a human kind of thing? They were not conceived via intercourse they were conceived via science i think there's some science involved in intercourse anyway but your i understand you're trying to keep it <laughs> you're trying to keep it safe for work here describe my face kira your face is a mix of pure horror and delight it's just i'm actually quite entertained because this concept is very similar to a graphic novel that I read recently called Woman World. Um, it's like a complete like humorous, jokey thing where like men stop existing, they slowly die out, and it's like, yeah, no, everyone's fine. Um, there was massive like climate change disasters, and we we're busy dealing with that, and then the dust settled, and we kind of realized that men aren't happening anymore. So um, we're dealing with it. We have science and technology. It's fine. <laughs> What's also really fun about it is it's like trans inclusive in a very vague way. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how they're working around the problem, but they're like, yeah, no, no, there's trans women (laughs) and there's no trans men. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. But it's just a very funny comic strip about a post-apocalyptic village, essentially, with all women in it. And it sounds like this book is going in a different direction. (laughs) So, yeah, because, like, there's been no bio babies essentially born in, like... 100 years they can't clone people no so science is working on the problem but they are not succeeding very well and science keeps working on the problem and so this is the world into which our protagonists lowry and shen are born and they are the last two viable egg donations okay so are there other people around their age no so lowry is 17 and shen is 18 and there is they are the youngest humans what age are the other humans um the next youngest would kind of be their parents who are in their 60s to 70s interesting how they're called parents yeah well they raised them okay. and brought them up and was that like a choice on the part of society to give the children to the people who were approximately of childbearing age um 
it was a choice where you could so we're gonna go back so the book is told in the time of Lowry and Shen as a disaster happens to them mm-hmm. and but it is also we also get segments of the past mm-hmm. the two of them like to go artifact hunting mm-hmm. that's kind of their thing they're like mini archaeologists and they call it mudlarping you would be if you're at the end of the world i yeah. think they call it mudlarping and essentially because there are so few humans left there's essentially about 300 humans left and they all live in the center of london mm-hmm. um because shen was born in china but when his parents had him and then lowry's parents had her they were like we should raise the last two children together mm-hmm. so shen's family moved to london and then because they were in london everyone else moved to London because they're the youngest children and people are like oh my god babies essentially so the world has like come down to like this one one settlement of about 300 people not a bad village not a great starting point to repopulate the earth really not particularly if your youngest people are 18 and 17 and then your next youngest people are 60 (laughs) um so they like to go like hunting artifacts as like a hobby and they record all of the things that they find and where they find them and they find like really interesting mixes of stuff like at one point they find a broken cd it's half an old cd cracked down the center bearing the words gerant pepper in bubble letters it's covered in sand which is just it's a sergeant pepper cd by the beatles that's hilarious it's because they're in (laughs) london (laughs) But they find loads of other things. Every chapter head is headed by like a little diary entry, which is like time, date, location, object, notes. Yeah. So what they found, where they found it, and a little bit about it. How um, far future of our present day did this infertility virus strike? So the infertility virus started in 2020-ish. Okay. And they are now living in 2106. Okay, cool. Um, they also at one point find an iPhone from 2007. Nice. Then yeah. things were built to last, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, so the story is told from... So when they're malarking at the start of the book, they find a purse in their... They're in an underground station um, and they're, they're investigating the tube, essentially. And they find a purse that belongs to a woman called Maya. Mm-hmm. When they get back to Lowry's house, side note, she lives in Buckingham Palace. Double side note, she is a Windsor. No! I don't want this! I don't want this to be so! Why is the protagonist of this fucking book a fucking goddamn royal? Why the fuck is there monarchy in this dystopia? Because monarchy is a dystopian construct. Why is this happening? Kira, why did you bring this into my home? Hello, listener. My dear listener, I'll speak to you now softly because I value you. I don't value the royals. Did you know that nothing, nothing can repair the damage that has been done by the British monarchy to the world? I would gladly forgive each of them as individuals if they would give up their thrones and their inheritance and their title, which they claim proudly as the inheritors of the great terrible atrocities they've committed. Because I believe every person should be allowed to stand on their own. But... 
if they continue to call themselves by their stupid fucking names and wear their stupid fucking hats and live in their big goddamn houses that have too many windows and underpay their servants, I'm gonna be very irritated. You good? Do, does Lowry give a shit about being... Oh. No, it's not... There isn't like a hierarchy to the fact that she is technically a Windsor. Like she is a Windsor. That still pisses me off so much. They live in Buckingham Palace. It's not straight up said they live in Buckingham. They could live in Kensington. I have not lived in Kensington. Um, but, yeah, yeah, not she, the palace. Yeah, um, they call it the manor. So my point would kind of be that that's a dumb shit decision. It's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting in terms of like the fact that the last bio child is a Windsor. Yeah, I don't like it because I don't like I don't like any construct which presupposes that certain genetics are worth more than others, and I don't like that the privileges that the royals have in allowing them to pass on their genetics in terms of wealth and social um, power. But they didn't, because allows... the eggs are by Lotto. So she's, like, biologically is nothing to do with the Windsors. So she was just raised as a Windsor? Yeah. Okay, that's something, fine. But I don't like that these people are allowed to exist in the world. Um... <laughs> I've been looking forward to telling you this since I read it. <laughs> It's not good audio. We just have two, like, what, five minutes of me yelling? Yeah. But my friendship with you made me believe that it would be beautiful. Is this... Hey, guys, um, if you want to listen to an officially anti-monarchist Twilight podcast in which me and my co-host, Michelle, discuss the Twilight series for 20 minutes once a week, but also are firmly anti-monarchist, which is not related at all, please tune into the Twilight 20. Please stop promoting your other podcast. You made me. You're making me listen to a book in which the protagonist is a fucking Windsor. Kira. <laughs> Get back on track. She lives in a palace. So they go back to her Lowry. house. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to have to cut so much of that. You can just leave it all in as an extra. That's for the patrons, that is. So they go back to Lowry's house and... It would just be so inconvenient to heat. It is inconvenient to heat. She, she mentions that and steals Shen's hoodie okay which smells like him and is comforting it's a romance it's a dystopian romance they've been raised together from what age uh young okay but like they've been raised together as friends okay. like they don't live together they just spend a lot of time together okay um so they go back to lowry's and they basically get up the computers look up maya whose purse they found mm -hmm. because access to all of these databases where they have saved large chunks of the internet mm -hmm. um, as the internet has like faltered and gone out of usage yeah because there isn't the infrastructure to keep it working anymore mm -hmm. so they look her up and then large sections of the book from that point on are also told via the social media remains of Maya because they find her face okay they find her social media and it's not like officially named what social media it is mm -hmm. but they initially find her Facebook page yeah and you can see conversations where she's having and like posts that she's putting up her Facebook page goes cold and they later find her Twitter her not Twitter her not officially Twitter after social media after they find their, her not officially Facebook <laughs> no Mark Zuckerberg's were harmed in the making of this <laughs> 
because um, God, they're not capitalists. They're so, monarchists, the person. And so we follow like Lowry and Shen finding out how the infertility like initially happened because they know it happened and but they never really like investigated it. It's just kind of like a fact of our world is that everyone is infertile and scientists are working on that uh, on that problem you know all five scientists <laughs> we have left yeah um shen's parents are doctors and okay. lowry's mom is like the unofficial head of the community because she's a windsor <laughs> but other people do things too i'm angry um i'm so angry it's beautiful why is there monarchy existing in the post? They have community meetings every week. Why is there constitutional monarchy happening in the post-apocalyptic future? So was this written by a Brit? It was written by a Brit. Was it written by an English? Um, yeah, she yeah she was b- born in the UK and went to the University of Nottingham. She studied chemistry and physics. Brits are fine. Brits are allowed. Like their nationhood is fate. Um, all struggle is one struggle. Workers of the world unite. But um, part of that is like monarchy not valid. Continue. Yeah, this wasn't supposed to be like so much about the Brits. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, this, this seems like a really good book. There's just one or two bits that are really just pushing my buttons. Okay, okay. We kind of find out what happened with the infertility situation via Maya's posts. And that is, how does that work on Twitter? How do you... So it goes on Facebook. Okay. It's on Facebook first. So they find out about her Facebook page. What you have is like a really long post where Maya basically is like really freaked out Mm -hmm. about the whole situation because the virus starts the physical effect of the virus is an uncontrollable nosebleed oh that's really upsetting that occurs for like a number of hours Mm -hmm. and it cannot be stopped Mm -hmm. Um, and this affects the whole world globally at more or less the same time Okay, not how pandemics work, but all right. So, like, because of social media and everything, everyone knows it's happening Mm -hmm. at the same time, and everyone's really freaked out. And the official advice is like, there's an there's something happening. Stay indoors. Don't leave your house. Mm -hmm. And then after a couple of hours, the nose bleeding all stop, and everyone's just left super freaked out. But there doesn't appear to be any other changes. And is this happening to children as well? Everyone? Yeah, everyone. Okay. So we get like a we get like a long Facebook post from Maya where she's like her experience of it and, she, and she's like it feels slightly futile to throw another post into the raving sea of social media posts discussing this, but I'm going to do it anyway just because it's 3 in the morning and I can't sleep without processing this in some way. So she like then talks about all of the feelings and emotions she went through, and mm. it's like a two full pages. Like okay. it's a super long post. Facebook yeah, post. the kind of post that like an elderly relative makes. <laughs> and then, and this is also how like Lowry knew about this, about like the infertility situation, but she didn't know about the virus that causes this and yeah. things like this. So she's like, I'm gonna go find out more about the, I'm gonna go ask my parents about this and things like this. And like, we need to find out what's happening mm-hmm. because, oh my God, all this information that we don't know that we would like to know. Did they have any formal education? They can clearly read. 
They have like a semi-formal education where their parents take it in turns to teach them different things. Do they speak multiple languages? Um, Shen speaks English and Chinese and Lowry appears to just speak English. Um, and she understands some of what Shen says but in Chinese but not. She's definitely not fluent. Did you know that apocalypses are sad? And actually the loss of information is a major thing in the book because throughout the book they're discussing if they were to create something in order to let future generations or aliens Shen loves aliens mm-hmm. he's super into aliens know about humanity how would they go about like doing that and how would they make sure that humans had the like the future generations had the information that they have and also Lowry has like a lot of feelings she's our, our point of view character she has a lot of feelings about the loss of information that can transpire and she's like me and Shen will be the last people on earth at some point just all going well all, well, all going middle of the road. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, they're exploring fucking subway tunnels. They are doing it very safely. Okay. Um, Like, short of an accident, mm-hmm. their life expectancy would be that they will outlive Every everyone else. Yeah. And so, like, Lowry is really super aware of this and has, like, a lot of, like, feelings of guilt around all the other people in their community are like super super cool and they all have like individual hobbies that they're really into and that they want to pass down and Lowry has like a lot of feelings of guilt when like she tries something new and doesn't like Like it it. because she's like oh this person if I don't learn how to play chess then chess could be lost chess isn't going to be lost there's so much written about chess but yes but like like things like this if I don't learn how to like they scuba dive they love scuba diving Mm -hmm. and she's like I'm really privileged that basically anything I've wanted to try there's been someone who could teach it to me Mm -hmm. and I've tried to learn so many different things I gotta say I live with two scuba divers 60 year olds should not be scuba diving (laughs) Um, fair enough it's the end of the world you've got little else to fill your time but wow Um, dangerous and so but their parents are primarily concerned with teaching them how to survive. I was going to say, because it seems like this virus is a bit like, it struck everywhere all at once, so it's a bit unnatural. Did it affect any other life forms? No, just humans. So all other wildlife is kind of Oh, wildlife is doing good. So are they hunting for food? Is there a threat of large um, predators? So within this universe... Humanity has taken, uh, humanity at some point had some leap with robots. Yeah. Because there are robots everywhere. Okay. Absolutely everywhere. Like, there's a lifeguard robot. Okay. That is named Mitch, mm-hmm. which is, which I believe is a reference to Baywatch. I don't know anything about Baywatch. Neither do I. Um, and he starts following them around. All of the time? Yeah. How sentient are the robots? They are pretty sentient then is there they're semi-sentient they kind of like do the job that they are programmed to do except for Mitch who is super super old and has kind of like rewired himself that's interesting because then if they are I would say and again I don't know how much you want to be getting into the plot and how much you just want to discuss but in such a situation I'd say a huge issue of concern is like legacy and like as the last two humans like you've mentioned the idea of aliens continuing on and I would say the other big thing is that other sentient life may arise on the earth but then if they have robots then they're those robots can be perceived as a successor to humans and if they are sentient they can learn and grow and how do they feel about that or does that draw in at all that is how the book ends oh fuck (laughs) 
<laughs> Oops, okay. Okay, so the thing that starts off our plot and the action of the book is that after going mudlarking, they witness a helicopter crash. So one of the members of their community had gone via helicopter to somewhere else to see if they could bring back some supplies that they needed. And are they for sure there aren't other communities? Well, if everyone was infertile, then probably not, yeah. Yeah. Um, just like from a town over or something to see if they had, if he could rummage and scavenge mm-hmm. some something that they needed. And when he's coming back, his helicopter crashes into Big Ben, destroying Big Ben. They just refurbished it. But they it's a hundred just years, refurbished a it. A hundred years ago. Um... So they're trying to find out what happened to Alexi and when it crashes they're near they're near the Thames and the robot Mitch, who is a lifeguard robot, comes and like is like emergency protocol and kinda like not really saves them but gets real concerned about their well being and then just hangs out with them for the remainder of the book. Okay. Um and he's semi like a pet and semi like a friend and I love him. Okay, interesting. So the rest of the book is then trying to find out what happened to Alexi. So they rescued the black box from the, the helicopter. helicopter. And they when they watch that, they find that Alexi had a seizure of some sort. Mm-hmm. But later, and he has since been in a coma. Okay, so he's um, not died. He hasn't died. He's, he's in a coma after the seizure. But later, other people start having the same seizure. Um, and there is a virus essentially going around again, which is causing all of the people in this community have a seizure and then fall into a coma. And the adults keep being like, it's a virus, but don't worry, you won't get it. Which was weird to me, the Mm -hmm. reader. I was like, why are you not explaining why they won't get it? Okay, we're going to go into serious spoiler territory here now. Spoiler alert. Um, They're robots. All of the adults, including Lowry and Shen's parents, are robots. Okay. Lowry and Shen are the only biologically human people on the planet, and everyone else is what is called a baby grow. Okay. What's a baby grow? Rewind back. Okay. When humans couldn't have children, someone invented an app. Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. I love ingenuity. Yes. In and we learn all of this information via like social media of Mm -hmm. Maya. Okay. Someone invented an app called Baby Grow in which you could download and give it details about your genetics and your partner's genetics and then you would watch in real time as the app grew from nothing into a baby. Yeah. Over nine months. Okay. And then still as an app, that baby became a child that you could like interact with and it would grow. And then at some point, and this is happening over many years. Yeah, this is really heartbreaking to me. But I mean... Why is it heartbreaking to you? Well, it really all depends on the kind of technology we're working with. Because it seems like their parents are actually like fully independent sentient creatures. So that's fine. But if it's just people interacting with... uh, what's called like a philosophical zombie like there's no way of telling if this thing actually has thoughts and stuff and you're just pouring all your love into a baby but it's not a real baby it's but is it a real baby but what's personhood and it's soft yeah to hold a kid um so it's an interesting moral debate yeah that people in maya's time are having yeah um especially as the baby grows 
grow or develop out of an app format and into bodysuits because what i would say is a computer in our world does not have the capability to support the complexity of a human experience even in particularly in an application on a phone we don't yet have ai we're coming real close in some places but it takes a lot of processing power it does not happen on a phone this is a little bit black mirror yeah it was reminding me of that black mirror episode where people can upload like kind of a safe point of their consciousness and those things fully are a safe point of your consciousness so you've made a digital clone yeah so like maya is dating this guy riz and they Mm -hmm. get married and they decide to have a baby grow together Mm -hmm. like a it kind of seems like at the start, people... It was it was interesting at the start when it yeah. started. And some people were like, oh, it's just like a little game. You can download yeah. it. And if you don't like it, you can delete it or whatever. And then it becomes like the way that people have children. So hopefully the technology improves. Yeah. So they decide that they're going to have a baby grow. And when they do it, by the time they start... People are now downloading the app onto like robots. Okay. So a baby, the Baby Grow app has taken the world by storm since it launched four years ago on Apple and Android systems. It recently reached 4 billion downloads. This is no surprise as the simple program gives would-be parents one last chance to have the ch- child they always wanted at a time when scientists admit that they still see no hope of a cure for fertility in the immediate future. Recently, one man took his love for his simulated offspring to the next level. Yuri Uni and designed and built a doll of his baby grow son. A projector makes the code from the app and converts the simple CGI display into a three-dimensional model, which is then transmitted to a mechanical doll, providing instructions for it to open and close its eyes. They essentially build humans in this way. And over time, the, the first ones are like super simple. They just kind of blink and don't really do anything. And it's over just time, a baby that looks like you Like it's a partner. very cool doll. Yeah. Um, but over time, they get really sophisticated and they essentially become people. Yeah, I would say if you if we had the research pressure of we can't have children anymore... This is the way people are pouring their lives and their hopes for the future into a younger version of themselves, as some people approach parenting with. We would improve the technology real fast. (laughs) Yeah, and so, and so, like, and as the child grows, they essentially just get new body kits. Yeah. And, like, new upgrades in that way. And eventually, like, the NHS starts funding body kits for all these kids i found the past stuff more interesting than lowry and shen Shen. like they i was really invested in their story i'm very interested in lowry and shen now in terms of how the fuck did they happen (laughs) yeah so yeah so you're kind of learning about both at once Mm -hmm. um and you now know real early that everyone is a robot Mm -hmm. before they do um and it gives a lot of interesting details to like as we find out about Maya and the app that, that she's like participating mm-hmm. in, you all and like more information about that, it also like coincides with the discovery that everyone is a robot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discover that the mm, so everyone, all the robots have been having seizures. Yeah. 
um, and via the blog post, they get a bit of information back and forth where they're like, Maya's child, Darcy, at one point also had a seizure and stopped working. And there's a whole thing about how she might have to be restarted and they don't know what's causing it. And then it turns out that it's uh, a physical problem with mm-hmm. a chip. Mm-hmm. That means that Lowry and Shen believe that they're going to be able to fix everyone in their community if they can just get their hands on the chip. Yeah. But they can't because they don't have any spare parts left because they've been fixing themselves using the remains of other baby grows for like decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have to go on an adventure to find... The means of production? No. Do you know that seed bank yes. in Sweden? The Svalbard Global Seed Vault? It's in the Norwegian island of Spitsbergen. But it okay. flooded recently because of climate change. So that's yes. great. Um, but the, so humans in this universe have made um, a bank like that. But for future generations, if they ever solve the fertility problem to come and find and like kind of discover how everyone lived before. Mm-hmm. And it gives them like the idea is like if humanity has to start over, here's a here's a starter kit like we've already invented the wheel for you mm-hmm. here's money steps and evolution that we've already done for you come check it out yeah and that's in snowden and so convenient yes um and also in that is they believe lots and lots of baby grow mm-hmm. materials so lowry and shen have to go on an adventure to go and get that because they're the only ones not getting these they're seizures. The not only ones not in a coma Oh, fuck. So everyone... Everyone has had a seizure and is now technically dead. dead. Lowry is like, they're not dead. They're just powered off. Yeah. So they... It's great. She's like, they're not dead because they can't die because they're robots. So we just have to go get the part and fix them. Okay, I guess. Um, But they have... uh, They discovered they have basically a 48 hour deadline before their hard drive wipes yeah um so they'd be able to bring them back but they wouldn't be the person the person that they are they'd be new yeah um and it's actually a lot of fun because they have to use all the skills that their parents have taught them and lowry is in a nice reverse of the trope where like there's a boy and a girl and she's super smart like they're both smart Mm -hmm. but like she's super smart and book knowledge and then he does all the hand stuff and physical labor they're the opposite like she's just like when we do lessons on history and like theoretical things it just bores her completely and she has no interest in it at all and then they do things like metal work and she's super into it and she's like way better than him at it but they complement each other so like when they do when they at one point she talks about a time when they were younger they built a robot that made candy floss and that was its whole thing and like she did all like the manual labor of building and he wrote all of the code yeah and so like they complement each other in that way and they everything they do they complement each other in a slight way that's good i like it um and she has a panic attack at one point and he's like you're fine in a really nice um you're doing okay you're good i got you and she's like because she's going through a tight space Mm -hmm. in order to get out of the snowden vaults um and he talks her through it and he's like you're fine you're fine you're fine and then once she has calmed down he's like okay and she's like get me out of here you need to get me out of here right now and he calms her down and once he's calmed her down he's like okay do you want to get out like i can pull you out Mm -hmm. and she's like 
no, now that I've calmed down, I can keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice. And they both make mistakes and they both support each other through it. This reminds me slightly of one of my favorite dynamics in a YA book that I reread recently and I'd read as a teenager from the Cry of the Ice Mark series by Mm -hmm. uh, Stuart Hill. It's got a very similar dynamic where where there is a young warrior queen, and I say young, she's like 14. Uh, Some bad shit has happened to cause her to be the queen, and I guess that's a spoiler. (laughs) But like, her best friend is like a witch's son who lives in the forest, and he's like basically a medical expert, and like, he's very knowledgeable about writing and literature, and like, he cares a lot about scholarly stuff, and the queen is like, I I just want to swing my big sword. I'm very smart. I'm very good at military tactics and organizing town building and stuff, but I just want to swing my big sword. Um, yeah, and in and everyone jokes about how they're going to get together at some point and Lowry's just like, no, we're not going to do that. And we're not going to do that because if we get together and then we break up, I'll be entirely on my own because I will have no one. But then later they do get together. I've got a, I've got some questions. Yes. So logistically, these people were born from frozen eggs. Yes. So they shouldn't have this virus. They shouldn't have the infertility virus. No, because it, it they still do. It impacted everything. Yeah. Okay. So it cop out. Um, other question is, um, yeah, it is really hard to face the struggle of not knowing whether you're into this person in a like. Like, if you had all the freedom of the world, you would choose to be with this person. I have heard similar reflections from small town gays, where you don't have another option for a person to date. So you date this person, but you're like, no matter how well you get on, there's that question of, if there was another option, would I have picked that? Yeah, um, a little bit. The How does Shen feel about Okay, so Shen... So- they basically haven't been getting together because because Lowry has been being like we shouldn't. They haven't discussed it, mm-hmm. and they don't discuss. They discuss it when they get together. They're like, "Hey, we should have a chat mm-hmm. now that we've kissed a lot." Mm-hmm. Um, but and Shen is just like, "I love you. Mm-hmm. I have loved you since we were like um twelve or thirteen. And he talks about like a specific moment where he's like. He sees her one day and she's just like having coffee in the morning and mm-hmm. it's that weird age where you want to drink coffee to be an adult but you don't actually like coffee and he's just like I saw you that morning and I wanted to see you every morning. It's really cute. Um, This book made me love my partner a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she describes it so the whole book through she's been like I can't get with Shen because what if I lose him? Mm-hmm. And then she kind of has this realization after they've had an adrenaline filled shifting session mm-hmm. due to the adventures in Snowden and like being able to save their parents and, and everyone. Mitch is still there. Mitch gets into an accident okay. in Snowden and he he sacrificed himself to save them. It was okay. very dramatic. Okay, because I was just wondering if they're having these shifting adventures and there's just. A robot flashing coloured lights at them because that's the way he communicates. Basically. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, At long last, I realised how wrong I was to be scared of this. I could never lose Shen, no matter how hard I tried. 
He's mine and I'm his, and that's never going to change. Not if we're the last two humans on the planet, or just two of billions. I am him and he is me. Regardless of heartache, romance and friendship, that's how it's always going to be. Um, and that, she says that after they have their discussion of, what are we doing mm-hmm. now? And just the- essentially just like, I've been waiting for you and I would have waited forever. So <laughs> not just because there's no one else at, like to go with, but just... But how could he know if he was never had the freedom to make that decision? I just really, that's a very interesting. Yeah. Well, and actually, on that point, it is interesting that Lowry is bisexual. Interesting. I actually want to discuss representation in this book because Lowry is bisexual. Maya is bisexual. Maya's partner is a trans man who talks about being on tea. Mm-hmm. At one point, there's an interview. There's an article shared on Maya's on Maya's social media about uh, a same-sex couple who are chosen via lotto to raise a biological child. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and also due to a horse horse riding accident. Shen has no hearing in one ear and it is mentioned multiple times because mm-hmm. Lowry is like, I know everything about Shen, absolutely everything. And I can never remember which ear he can't hear in. Mm-hmm. And so she often will like stand herself on one of, one of his sides and whisper something. And he's like, I can't hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't hear you. So she has to like say it louder or move sides. And yeah. even when they have this discussion and like, so it is brought up multiple times mm-hmm. um at one point she's just jealous of him because he regularly sleeps on the side where he can hear and therefore just shuts the world out because he can't hear anything on the other side once his head's on the pillow um when they have the discussion about like their future together they they have it in bed they get into bed together they don't have sex at this point um they have sex off screen at the end of the book okay but they're talking in bed and he's like can we switch sides so i can hear you um it's really nice Mm -hmm. and but on that he so she tells she she is out as bisexual when we start the book Mm -hmm. but she does do a flashback to when she was like 14 and first told um shen and he was like cool and at some point he asks like how do you know you're bisexual if you haven't kissed a girl and she's just like i haven't kissed anyone and i know that like I'm bisexual. Yeah, and she's also like, you haven't kissed anyone and you like girls. And he was like, yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. These are true facts. Um, It is the ultimate, like, example of that (laughs) argument. It's like, oh, well, there's only two people left in the world. How could you possibly know um, if you're attracted to the gender of whom you are the only example remaining? um, And she also, like, uh, Shen asks at some point, like, is there a difference between her feelings for women and her feelings for men? And a lot of this comes from, like, they both have, like, crushes on TV characters and things like this because they have access to All stored media mm-hmm. from before. Mm-hmm. And she has, a, like, a gorgeous description of it. Um, and then she, like, that she gives us an, on an internal monologue. And then she's just like, it's, like, sweet and savory. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it. It that was really right. good. Um, and it, it basically is like, with women, I feel like I would act this way, but with men, I would act a different way. Kind of like the things that she is attracted to in both yeah. are just slightly different and things. 
so yeah, there was some really good representation in this book. I really enjoyed that the main female character was really handsy with science. Like she did a lot of the physical sciences. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? Do they resurrect their parents? They do resurrect their parents. And via resurrecting their parents, they find out that it is not actually a hundred years in the future since the virus. It's actually 300 years since the virus. Everyone who is alive is a baby grow and they've all been trying to like solve in some way the fertility problem in order to bring back humans for 300 years. And they've essentially kind of, this is the end of the road. And they've also been raising multiples of Lori and Shen using clone DNA. They, they were able to get to such a point in their fertility research that they were able to do cloning to a limited degree. And so Shen and Lori are actually like the third or fourth rendition of the last humans on earth. I don't like that. But they are also, there is also no more biological tissue left to make any after them. Except for the fact that they are each made of biological tissue. Yes, but they, it needs, it needs like... Yeah, I was going to say, are they from artificial wombs then? Because yeah. that's a technology we don't have. Okay. It's artificial wombs. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the science leap, I don't know enough about science mm-hmm. personally, but the world building in this is like super, super good. And so I'm willing to just take a face value when they're like, we made you with an artificial womb. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> good. Um... But the reason that they've been told they're only 100 years in the future is because with the first set, they were so psychologically damaged with the knowledge that they were the last humans and mm-hmm. how their like conception had come about and everything yeah. about this, that the baby grows essentially were like, we'll just pretend everyone's a human and that we're still like, that we are the last okay generation and yet they gave them free access to the internet so they know that the baby grows happened but they only learn about the baby grows by accident okay after because they haven't been searching searching for it they haven't been looking at that kind of information okay all right i mean i guess third time's a charm yeah so i imagine what happens towards the end then is that laurie and shan are like okay that's all well and good but let's make lots more baby grows because essentially they're like your people too yeah they're like the next step in human evolution isn't to go back to humanity as we know it it's to they're like your parents raised you from babies your biological your bio-human parents Parents. raised you to be both your own people and a combination of them and mirrors of themselves and so they have basically imbued humanity into you so you should be able to raise your own children via baby grows as well and that is how humanity will continue like you are humans and Lowry also gets like a new respect for all robots because there's been like little robots running around the whole time like Mitch Mm -hmm. who just kind of like clean and keep things together like London is absolutely decaying because it's been 300 300 years without humans doing maintenance and stuff so there's maintenance bots that have been like running around trying to like do as much as possible and they've mostly been like working on the center where everyone is living and Lowry has like not really been paying any attention to them because 
they're robots they're robots and whatever um that they're just doing their programming job and she doesn't really care about it but after she discovers that everyone is a robot she's like more conscious of it and at one point she spills something and a robot like scurries over to clean it up and she's like it's okay I'll do it and she's like before I would have just left the robot do it Mm -hmm. and I don't know why I don't know why I didn't think to clean it up after myself more it's because she's a Windsor it's because she's a Windsor yeah yeah so yeah that's kind of the book I really enjoyed that. It, it sounds was, really, really good. It was a really great book. I rushed through it. Like, I read it in three days, mm. more or less. It was so, so good. Is is there a resolution to Maya's story? She dies. But <laughs> why did they find her phone, was it, in the... Oh, they found her purse. Okay, so she'd lost her purse at she'd some point. She'd lost her purse at some so point. Isn't... And they just, like, via a couple of internet searches and some personal information in the purse found out who she was and and Lowry kind of I've said her names multiple ways this mm-hmm. whole episode but Lowry um kind of connects with her because she's also bisexual and they're about the same age when she first starts reading at mm-hmm. her social media and we basically watch Maya grow up from age 16 17 like we watch her decide that she's going to become a nurse we see her graduate we see the start of her and Riz's um, relationship, who was her partner who mm-hmm. raised their daughter Darcy together. Mm-hmm. Like loads of updates about like how Darcy is doing and Maya becomes, because of Darcy's illness, Maya becomes an activist um, on behalf of Baby Grows to have more like legal protections. And one of the things that she gets past is like, Darcy's law mm-hmm. um, which means that all baby grows have to be have to have like they legally have to have backups every six months or something in case they do need to be shut off so they can be Reboot, rebooted yeah. essentially yeah um, which wasn't a legal requirement before mm-hmm. and things like this and as like baby grows grow up and like participate, and participate in, society. in society and the workforce and things like this and also you have a massively aging workforce mm-hmm. with very little population mm-hmm. coming up so they like enter caring and like caring roles and things like this and it's really nice and interesting that and you see cool. all that happen via Maya's social media mm, that is really cool mm. uh what was the highlight lowlights or that's the, we've discussed the book yeah um yeah yeah, my favorite parts of it, I think, I really liked the format of it. The formatting was really cool. I I love I love a dual narrative personally. Mm-hmm. They are harder to talk about on this pod, yeah. but I do love them. I would say, do they have like portable devices for connecting with electricity and stuff, or is all of the information they have about my social media something they like binge read before they went off to Snowdonia? No, she reads it in parts and okay. some of it like at some point when they discover that, that everyone is a baby grow, they essentially just do like a search. She's like, oh, I saw ba- the word baby grow on on Maya's thing. I'll see if there's any more information there. Mm-hmm. And like she does a search mm-hmm. um, for baby grows just to see what Maya has said. Mm-hmm. And that's how they find out about the seizures that Darcy had. Mm-hmm. And that's how they put together more information about other people. Okay, cool. Yeah. What's the low light of this book for you? Um, for me, it's probably the Windsors. <laughs> um, I found the resolution at the end very fast. 
Mm. but not unfulfilling like they answer all the questions and everything it felt a little bit like once they find the answer the stakes became very low yeah yeah um because they're like well they only had 48 hours they did have a short timeline but they were like oh we're they're yeah the stakes just felt very low other than like the timeline because they actually did have time on either side of it when they didn't know what was wrong or how to fix it, I was like, ooh, the stakes are so high. And then like, we need this chip. We're going to go on this journey to get it. And as soon as they got it, they're basically like, and we fixed everyone. Okay. But then they have to wrangle with the philosophical question. Of yeah. And then they have to being. do like the moral questions of being and like get the answers out of their parents that like, why haven't you told us all this information? Mm-hmm. Um, did you think we couldn't handle it? And then they have to propose and then they decide to propose to everyone that they be the next generation. They mm-hmm. be the next step in like human evolution mm-hmm. um which is interesting as well yeah sounds good and weird little sidelights um, i love mitch so much um i didn't talk about him properly he's just a little robot and he just follows them around and he beep he doesn't beep he he has a problem big that he is really old mm-hmm. he's really really old even for like everything in this book is really old because mm-hmm. it's so far in the future um, he's super old and so other robots don't communicate in the same way that he communicates. Okay. Um, and so he can't even talk to like the other robot, like the other non-sentient mm. robots. Um, and there's a slight distinction between like the baby grows as robots and oh. the robots like that we think of like what's the name of that hoover the, the wizards are henry hoover no no roomba yeah he's got like the ro- other robots are kind of like roombas slightly more complex roombas. they're the very complex roombas and yeah. he's not able to like connect with those yeah. because they operate on a different system to him yeah um but he 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 does the little colored dots colored lights that he flashes um and lowry and shen kind of like Learned. put feelings and emotions into like the flashes that he has where like he flashed gr- he flashed orange at me in disapproval and things like this yeah and also he's just like really weird he at some point he like grows really spindly legs for a weird reason and another time he curls up really tight as a ball and like does something else and both Lowry and Chen are like who designed you why are you like this <laughs> That's so good. You're so weird. And he like flashes his purple light at them to be like, don't make fun of me. It's so good. It's so good. I'm now very interested. Like I touched on this earlier because I I thought it was sad that people would be projecting their like human bonding paraphernalia and instincts on a thing that can't reciprocate in the form of a baby grow because it's like, it's like talking into the void. It's kind of sad. But now I'm like now it's I'm confident that like the baby grows are their own sentient people. and they're people. It just it raises such an interesting question of obviously we exist in the world as biological humans who don't give biological creatures the same level of respect as we give other humans like because they're not our species. So, you know, even if someone really loves their dog, they're not going to like make sure every velvet worm in the world gets proper treatment but how is how does it complicate the struggle of selfhood when you can literally make a person 
out of scrap. Like they do imbue, they are imbued mm. with humanness from their parents raising them, but they can design and create a baby grow. And I guess you, you create an, a learning algorithm and then it learns from its environment. But then it's just a complete accident of history that it's learned to be a human because it could learn to be in anything. Yeah, so, like, one of the things that Maya is talking about on her social media is, like, software updates Mm -hmm. that the baby grows are experiencing and things like this. And different things that, like, you can upgrade your child to have. Mm, Are these paid? Do they get... No, they're free open source. Good. I'm trying to see if I can find one about it. And it must fuck with the baby grows concept of self as well if they're not ever certain if they are experiencing the world in the same way as their parents are. Yeah, so at one point uh, Darcy is going to school and one of the boys in her class is a real boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a bio child and he actually gets bullied for us that's really funny by the other kids and it's really strange and they have like she has like a thread conversation with someone else and they're like today so it starts off with the post today a new boy joined darcy's class at school and he's biological we hadn't really explained to darcy what that means and what she is so when the boy asked darcy if she was quotation marks real like him it resulted in some interesting questions after school and then there's a reply oh geez i remember that when we told Haley, she asked when she was going to turn into a human like us nearly broke us darcy was very quiet at first but she's been asking questions about it all night so we can tell she's processing it i made sure i told her how much we loved her and that the whole reason she exists is that we wanted a baby so much that we had to make her from scratch Hopefully that will be enough to stop her getting upset. Um, Jason had nightmares for a while when he found out, kept waking, thinking about wires were spilling out of his mouth while he slept. I wish we never kept it a secret that we just talked about it openly ever since they learned to speak. It's too much of a shock to find out something like that, even if we think it's more than a baby can understand. Which I thought was really interesting as a parallel to like adoption, Mm. where... Sometimes when if you adopt a child and you are more open about the fact that they are not biologically related, they're more chill about it later. Absolutely. And like that conversation of like, when is the right time to tell a child something? And when like, Mm -hmm. what is the reaction? And it varies child to child and family to family. And it was really interesting. Yeah, I... My, my thesis is on. <laughs> oh, how long has it been since I mentioned my thesis? Uh, you know, like I, I did a, a year of research on non-typical family arrangements. And yeah, a lot of this rings parallel to like a lot of what I was researching was um, queer families. And so that's a very broad category. But yeah, there's there is the question of adoption and the kind of given wisdom for a while was that you don't bring it up until you've got you've had the talk but then that also results in a situation where there's like a three-year-old who's asking like where does milk come from and the parent gets to say well you see we get it from the shop and in the shop they get it from the cows so Mm. when the cows on the farm blah 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 but when the kid asks so where does babies come from the parents (laughs) are like uh um well uh, we'll talk about it at some point. Yeah. So the kid knows that it's a sore spot. And it just, it makes things awkward. Yes. So yeah, um, things like that. I was like, I really enjoyed Lowry and Chen's relationship and their mission and storyline and plot. But I found 
that the stuff that was happening in the past and like all this the world building yeah so interesting yeah because there's basically a new frontier of human rights yeah and that's another thing that like maya is talking about a lot of the time she becomes a baby girl rights activist Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting to me that it is lgbt people who are at the front end of advocating for rights for the new generation essentially mm-hmm. um because she's queer and her partner is 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 trans so like there's all sorts of stuff there mm-hmm. which i'm like hmm. Mm. Um, and other characters talk about at some point there's a news article about how a man died and he was a single parent to a baby grow and like what's going to happen to the son because there's no relatives to take care of him and they're talking about switching him off and Maya and other people are like he should be put up for adoption and like there's just no this hasn't happened before so nobody knows what you do. do and someone responds to the article essentially being like my parents are really against baby grow children they basically think of them as weird toys mm-hmm. um and so i would be really concerned what would happen to my baby grow child if yeah. i died because my parents wouldn't look after them so like we're looking into legal things which is a really good parallel yeah. to queer parenthood and queer partnership. And, you know, obviously the the fight for equal marriage was largely driven by parents not acknowledging or respecting... Family units. Yeah, that um, weren't yeah, traditional. biological, traditional. Yeah. So it was really... It was a really thought-provoking read and I loved it. It does sound really, really good. So that's all I got to say about The Quiet at the End of the World. Follow us on social media. If you've read the book, please... Tell me your yeah. thoughts and opinions. That's actually and... a thing I feel we haven't gotten enough of. Like, yeah. Tell we... me what you think of the book. Yeah, I've got like, we've had with our, we had with Dreadnought, people were kind of getting on to us before we even started reading it saying, oh my God, this is so good. and It's going to be so great. But uh, presumably people who listen to us have read the book. Or some of them have anyway. Yeah, like, I mean, this podcast's basis is 50% of the people speaking have read the book and 50% of them haven't. Um, And I am that second 50%. But if you're in the former half, please let us know. Yeah, if you've read this book, let us know and we might mention anything that you say in our next pod. That's another thing. Conversation about it. Because if uh, the human species is to be hit soon with... A virus that renders us all infertile and gives us nosebleeds. And at some point, our robot children will only have the recorded things left behind to understand us. Don't you want your hat to have been thrown in the ring? Do you you want your robot kids to be able to say, huh, my my parent (laughs) talked to a podcast once? edit all of this (laughs) that's good though because this is going to drive people wouldn't it be so good for your robot baby to understand what your opinions were on robot babies before anyone had even thought of robot babies i mean lauren james just wrote a whole book about robot babies so people have thought about it people have thought about it um okay we're done but that doesn't mean you shouldn't add us on twitter (laughs) please follow us on twitter at Forever YA Pod. We've also got Goodreads now, right? Yeah, we set up a Goodreads account which lists the books that we have read previously and the books that we're currently reading. So please follow us there. You can also recommend books to us there. Um, and we have a Patreon at Forever YA Pod. If you look us up, you can become a 
Patreon supporter. There's a number of tiers, one of which is uh, book recommendations. And if you recommend us a book on Patreon, we will read it. We will take your suggestions on board elsewhere, but we will read the books on Patreon, 100%. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. We've been forever young adult. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Forever Young Adult A good podcast where we review books Here as your wild librarian Eva where are the lesbians They're here to answer all of your questions But they're forever young adults Hey! The outro music has happened and you're still here I think you want to follow us on Twitter Yeah, you can find us there at ForeverYAPod and on Instagram at Forever YA Pod. And on Tumblr at Forever YA Pod. We're doing Tumblr. Oh, fuck. Never mind. You can also email us at Forever YA Pod. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, you can contribute to our Patreon, which you can find at Forever YA Pod. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. We love you. Talk to you in two weeks. <laughs>